Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We're on the doorstep of eternity. That's the reality of the kingdom of God ruling and reigning with the king, with, with the king of kings. That's pretty amazing. That's kind of cool. New heavens, new earth, all that sweet stuff. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more broken hearts, no, none of that stuff. No more sickness, no more disease, none of that stuff. We're like inches away from that becoming a very real reality for our lives. Do you realize that we as believers are on the cusp of eternity? Today you'll learn from Pastor James's message that the return of Jesus is near. We're living in the last days. No one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, but it's going to happen suddenly and swiftly. Pastor James encourages you to stay alert and look forward to Christ's return. Get busy being about the Lord's business. Share the good news of Jesus with all that you can and know that his return is near, like a thief in the night. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 7 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. monsters to God. That's that's the most powerful thing we've ever seen on this planet. Nothing. 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 That's the most impressive. Do you under, I mean, he was like grinding people and, and just stomping all over dead men's bodies and all that. Nobody could stand in its path. Oh, no, no, no. It's nothing. With a word, that beast is slaughtered. With a word. It's like Daniel's like, oh, that dude's so annoying. And it's like, boom, he's dead. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, sweet. Um, We should celebrate that, right? Yeah, absolutely. He says his body was destroyed by the fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a while longer. So it's like, what's that talking about? Babylon had its time, came and it went. Medes and the Persians had their time, came and it went. The The Grecian Empire and all that good stuff came and it went, Right? There's still, there's still people from these regions and all this good stuff, all that like, but we're not talking about the people, we're talking about these empires. They came and they had their time. They left. They're done. You know, for the most part, God was done with them. But this fourth fourth beast, this one would be, this is it. No more. There's no more. Their authority was taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little bit longer or for a season and a time. Um, verse 13, he goes on, as my, vi- as my uh, vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man. Now that's a common phrase for Jesus, the Messiah, okay? Or one who is like the son of man. The son of man, is a, it's, it's like a title kind of a thing that Daniel liked to use, but it always is applied to Jesus. Even himself in the gospels would refer to him a few times as Son of Man, okay? Saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into His presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world, meaning this, He is King of kings and Lord of lords, right? 
so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Come with what you may, Satan, world, and antichrist, and all that good stuff. Nothing. They have nothing. They have nothing on God. They have nothing on, and let me phrase this a little bit, a little bit bigger for you. They have nothing on the kingdom that you are associated with, that you are a part of. The kingdom that you are a part of is the, is the grandest and the greatest and the most powerful kingdom to ever have existed. That's where you belong. That's where you live. And not, you're, you're not just like some commoner within the kingdom. You're a son, you're a daughter within the kingdom. That will never end. That will never be conquered. The biggest and the baddest monster ever rears his ugly head and God strikes him down and says, I'm done with you. Done. Finished. Now it's time for my kingdom. And his kingdom, his kingdom continues on forever and ever. It's amazing. That's what you're connected to. That's what you're a part of. That's amazing. That's where we belong. That's a very near future for each and every one of us. It's his kingdom. It's Jesus's kingdom, rightly handed to him and given to him from the Father. It's amazing. He shows up, and what beast? What little horn? None of it matters. None of it can even, it's not even on the same level. Even Satan himself, as a fallen angel, is not on the same level as Jesus, the second part of the triune God that we believe in. They can't touch him. We can't, they, they don't even compete. So what I want to encourage you with is this. You're on the winning side if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You're on the winning side. Like, you're on the best side ever. So if you ever have these notions or these ideas of like, or maybe you think like, well, I think America is the greatest kingdom on this planet. It's not. It's not. It's impressive. It's impressive. What, what America has been able to accomplish in its short existence is very impressive. But it's not the greatest. And that's not a slight towards America. I love this country. And you may think like, well, what about those Chinese dynasties and for thousands of years? Impressive, but not the greatest. Nothing this world could ever produce will ever outshine what God has coming. It can't compete with it. So Daniel saw these things. Then verse 15 says, I, Daniel, was troubled <laughs> by all I had seen. And my visions terrified me. Of course they did. And if we're honest, I would have been, I would have woke up in a cold sweat and be like, what is going on? Like, what, what, what did I eat? Holy cow. Like, this is incredible. He was terrified. It said he was anxious. He says, so I approached, this is what's crazy. Cause he's still kind of in the vision state, so to speak. Cause he's like, he, he's, he's just, he's terrified. He, he's, troubled. He's anxious by these things. Verse 16, so I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him what it all meant. So he approaches an angel. Like here's Daniel still in his bed, like kind of freaking out within this dream of like, what, 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 what's going on? And then he has, he has the notion, I'm just going to like saunter up to this angel who, an angel, maybe Gabriel, right? he's not named here. 
But he walks up to this angel and he's like, excuse me, what does this mean? <laughs> like, he's like, he's so like moved by everything that he's seen. He's so like, he, the word there in the New Living Translation, he's just, he's troubled by it. He approaches one of those, an angel standing beside the throne and he asks him what it all meant. I love this explanation. Short and simple. It's short and sweet. That's what it is. Look, he says, um, he explained it to me like this. These four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom and they will rule forever and ever. He's like, oh yeah, that, oh, what that means is this. Four beasts, four kingdoms. They're going to rise, they're going to fall. Don't worry about that because the kingdom to come. But in the end, the saints, the holy ones, Christ followers, technically is what you can say here, of the Most High will be given the kingdom. And they will rule forever and ever. Like he's like, oh, yo, you want to know what all this means? That's what it means. Four kingdoms will rise. Four kingdoms will fall. One kingdom will stand forever. And Daniel, you're a part of that kingdom. You're a part of that kingdom. Don't be troubled by it. Don't be anxious by it. Don't be worried about it. You're on the right side, Daniel. Daniel wants a little bit more clarification. Thank you, Daniel, for asking for more clarification. He says, then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, because who wouldn't? The one so different from the others and so terrifying. It had devoured and crushed its victims with its iron teeth and bronze claws. There's a new descriptive right there. We didn't hear about the claws at the beginning, but here he is, bronze claws, trampling the remains or their remains beneath its feet. I also asked about the 10 horns on the fourth beast head and the little horn that came up afterwards and destroyed the three of the other, or destroyed three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's saints. I'm going to use the term saints there because I think this helps us to clarify some end times chronological stuff, okay? It says God's holy people. Well, God's holy people are, are saints, right? This little horn is waging war against the saints and was defeating them until the ancient one, the most high, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom, right? So this is Daniel. Daniel's just making observations. He's like, hey, can you tell me about this fourth beast who has these 10 horns, but then the three are booted out and the one rises and he's, he's uttering these blasphemies against, uh, against God and he's waging war against the saints of God. And we know this is all end time stuff. Now, I will say this. Historically, Rome persecuted the Christians like crazy. So I know there are some very practical realizations of what's talked about here. Because Rome persecuted the Christians um, almost like no other, right? But it wasn't just like, okay, so that's when it happened. So that's what, that was the fulfillment of this prophecy. That's not it. That was just like a, a, a little sneak, pre, sneak preview, so to speak, of what was to come. Because we know in the end times, when the Antichrist rises to power, saints, Christ followers, will be persecuted. So this begs the question, well, if, if there is a rapture, and there is, when does that happen? Because this seems like a really good argument for a mid-trib, mid-tribulation type rapture. And that's, this is one of the proof texts that a lot of people would use. Here's my problem with that, okay? 
leading up to the tribulation. This is the age of the church. This is the church age is what it's called. From Acts until today, until, well, that church age is done, which we believe is when the rapture will happen. The church is taken out of this world. And then really, Satan has like free reign, okay? The church is what's holding back the enemy, so to speak. The Holy Spirit working in and through us is what is right now is being used to hold back some of these events from taking place. When the church is removed, floodgates open up, all hell breaks loose, right? Technically, literally, that's true, okay? A lot of people, well, I, I don't know how many people, people believe that, well, that, that rapture thing will happen at the midpoint, right? Right before it gets really, really bad. And I don't personally agree with that um, because I believe that the word, in places where the word speaks of like, he won't allow his loved ones to to see suffering and all that good stuff. Not that you won't ever suffer within your life, but he will spare his from this coming judgment, okay? That's why we believe the rapture happens, happens before the seven-year tribulation begins, okay? And here's, the, here's my point behind all of that. Before the rapture takes place, Christ followers, people who commit their lives to Jesus, put their faith and trust in Jesus, they're saints. You're saints, okay? That's just who you are. You're God's holy people. What we know is during the tribulation, people will be getting saved. So are they not saints? And they are. They are saints. We even know from Revelation chapter 5 that they're going to be massacred. They're going to be slaughtered. And God says, I will avenge this. I'm going to take care of this. And he does. So we know that people throughout the tribulation will be getting saved. So there will be people who become Christians during the tribulation, even when the church isn't there. Because you're going to have this thing that happens with 144,000 Jews who get saved and they go out and evangelize on this planet and people are getting saved like crazy. So they become saints. So if you have an antichrist who has established his rule during the seven-year tribulation time, those who are rising up and and in favor of or identifying themselves as this thing that he hates more than anything, which is Christ, he's going to direct his attention and hostility towards that group of people. So I simply just say that to where what we hold fast to at Calvary Galveston, and you may not agree with this, and that's fine, um, is a pre-tribulation rapture stance. That's what I hold fast to. Now, if I'm wrong... We'll all know it on one day, okay? We say that all the time. When we're, when we're zipping through the air up to, you know, the presence of the Lord, we can look at each other and be like, and one of us, would have, one of us was right and one of us was wrong, okay? We'll know that. And we can have fun and all that stuff, point that out on our way out of here, right? I really believe it's going to be pre. It really, there's a lot of scriptural evidence that indicates it'll happen then. And then the seven-year the seven uh, time period, which we'll go into greater, greater depth in, in Daniel, then that's the Antichrist is like, he's, I mean, my, my goodness, there's already really a good chance that he's already on the scene today. We're not like, we're, we're not probably waiting for this guy to be born, but we're also not looking for this guy. I don't care who this guy is. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me who the Antichrist is. I don't care who the Antichrist is. He's nothing to me. Why would I waste my time trying to figure out who he is? And oftentimes, Christians, this is the flip side, 
get so caught up in trying to figure these things out that we take our eyes off of the Christ and try to find the Antichrist. And you're like, no, don't sweat that dude. That dude's going to die. That dude's headed for the lake of fire. I'm not worried about that guy. I'm going to keep my eyes on that guy, the guy who died on the cross for this guy's sins. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm not worried about an Antichrist. He's going to show up. He's going to be a brilliant man. He's going to be very uh, persuasive. People are going to love this guy like no other person who has ever existed on this planet. They will worship this guy. He actually will establish himself as the main thing to worship. People will love him. He'll be praised by all, admired by tons of people. But in his end is the lake of fire. I mean, that's it. So, and he's got, you know, he's, he, he gets about seven years. That's not even like two terms for an American president. <laughs> like he gets, he gets seven years. But what we know is that that little horn doesn't really pop up until some other things take place. And what we know prophetically, timeline-wise, is there's nothing left to be fulfilled prophecy-wise. There's just nothing left to be fulfilled for that rapture to take place. Nothing. They're going to build a temple. That's, that's going to happen. They're going to rebuild the temple. And I've told you guys this before. They have everything they need to rebuild the temple. Everything. All the utensils, all the stuff. They have everything they need to rebuild this temple. They have it all. All they need is an agreement, basically, between them and uh, the other guys who occupy space on, the, on that holy mount. They just got to figure out how to share space. Where the, where the Muslims can have their thing and the Jews can have their temple. That's all they need. That's all they're waiting for. But that doesn't even have to happen before the rapture. So basically what I'm saying is, it's like we're, we're close. You're, you are literally closer now than any, anybody else has been in their lifetime. It's amazing. We're on the doorstep of eternity. That's the reality of the kingdom of God, ruling and reigning with the king, with, with the king of kings. That's pretty amazing. That's kind of cool. New heavens, new earth, all that sweet stuff. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more broken hearts, no, none of that stuff. No more sickness, no more disease, none of that stuff. We're like inches away from that becoming a very real reality for our lives. It's kind of cool. But until then, you got this beast, you got some stuff, and God's going to handle it all. You ain't even worried about it. Daniel's like, I don't know what any of this stuff means. This guy's making war against God's holy people. He's defeating them. He seems like he's winning. But then the ancient one shows up and he brings judgment just in time for the holy people, for the saints. And it and just steps in at the right time. Verse 23, last little part. Then he said to me, this fourth beast, this is the angel's explanation. It's the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. It's 10 horns are 10 kings who will rule that empire. Then another king will arise different from the other 10 who will subdue the three of them. He will defy the most high and oppress the holy people or the saints of the most high. He will try to change their sacred festivals. Oh, no more Christmas. <laughs> no, there will be a day where there will be no more Christmas. I, that's sad. I know no more Easter, no more religious holidays, no more. He's even going to go so far as to change the calendar, change everything. He wants to change the sacred festivals. He wants to change the laws. They will be placed under his control for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, so essentially like three and a half years. Time, times, and a half a time. 
But then the court will pass judgment and all his power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, uh, then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever and all rulers will serve and obey him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And then the last, Daniel, as he wakes up, like that's kind of like the last word he got in this dream, this vision he's having. This is verse 28. That was the end of the vision. I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts and my face was pale with fear, but I kept these things to myself. So he like wrote them down and even made note of the fact that he's like, all the color left my face. And, it, and it's fascinating. Like, why? Why, Daniel? Like, that's good news. Like, Daniel, you, you win. That's good news. And I have thoughts on how, on why. But if I share those thoughts, then, then what's the point of discussion groups? Because that's like my main question for you guys to discuss is, why do you think Daniel woke up and had this reaction? So I'll let you guys kind of talk through it and all that good stuff. But man, so that, I mean, that's like world history right there in one chapter that God gave to Daniel. He's like, oh yeah, here's what's going to happen. This, this, uh, this king, then that king, then that king, and then this king represented, you're going to have like 10 horns, kind of 10 kings and all that good stuff. They could have been the Roman Empire emperors as well. And all that. I'm, we'll get into that later on down the road. But he's like, but basically it's kingdom, 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 that's wiped out. And then the king of kings shows up and we get to participate within that kingdom. Amazing. I don't know what it means to rule and reign with Jesus. I have no clue. No clue at all. And there's a part of me that doesn't even want to speculate. I don't know what it means. But just that the Bible says that intrigues me and it excites me. Okay? Because it's like, man, even if, if heaven was just like a big empty room and it's just Jesus there, that's worth it for me. That's enough for me because he is worth it. Absolutely. But the reality is heaven is like, it's God the Father, it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit's there, saints of old are there, which means people that we may have always wanted to meet with in our lifetime who were followers of Christ. It means family members who are faithful followers of Christ, all that good stuff. And then it's like a new heaven and a new earth. And during the millennial reign of Christ, ruling and reigning with him as, you know, serving Jesus as, you know, as he's established his throne on this, on this planet for a thousand years. What in the world does that mean? I have no clue, but it's pretty awesome. That's all I know. I'm just like, sweet, let's get there. I want to find out what that means. I want to find out what that, not from some commentary or not from somebody's thoughts. on. I want to know it experientially. And that day will come. That day will come. Like I said, we're on the doorstep. We really are on the doorstep, prophetically. There's nothing that stands in the way. Nothing. Nothing. Most of that, like the prophecy, even from that chapter 7, like if you just were to look at the beasts themselves, like 75% of that prophecy has already taken place. And probably, technically, probably 80-something percent of that prophetic content from Daniel chapter 7 has already come to pass. We're just waiting on those last little bits of that chapter.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Daniel. In it, you'll notice many interesting storylines through Daniel's life. He was exiled from his birthplace and was an alien in a foreign country for the rest of his life. What would it be like to live in a country that wasn't yours for all of your adult life? Would you wallow in self-pity because of your circumstances, or would you make the most of where God chose to use you? Daniel did the latter, making an impact in a wicked country that worshipped foreign gods. But God still used him in a mighty way. God can do the same with you today as you live your life in a country and world that you might not belong in. You may feel outnumbered and surrounded by idolatry of all sorts, but God can still use you greatly, even in this ministry. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we'd be honored if you'd pray with us for all of those who are a part of our listening audience. Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. There's much more to learn and glean from the Old Testament book of Daniel, including prophecy and faith. We hope you'll tune in again for another edition with Pastor James, as he has more to share about the life of Daniel here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.